American who conquered Russia comes home. 23-year-old Van Cliborn arrives in Idlewild after winning an international Tchaikovsky piano competition, the first American ever to do so. Our parents came all the way from Texas to greet their son, who took Moscow by storm with his playing. After a little rest, he's scheduled to make a triumphal concert tour, America's Musician of the Year. Welcome to Soundboard, the Steinway & Sons podcast on artistry and craftsmanship. I'm your producer and host, Ben Finan, director of content at Steinway & Sons, and editor-in-chief of the online music magazine, listenmusicculture.com. Today I'm talking to you about the legacy of Steinway immortal Van Cliburn and the legacy of classical music in America. At the height of the Cold War in 1958, a young, tall drink of water from Texas loped into the lion's den of Moscow and won the piano prize in the inaugural International Tchaikovsky Competition. He won on Russian concertos, Tchaikovsky No. 1, Rachmaninoff No. 3, in front of a group of largely Russian judges that included Kabalevsky, Kachaturian, Oistrakh, Richter, and Zimbalist. Shostakovich chaired the competition. Reminiscent of rock star performances of a bygone era by Liszt, Paganini, and Paderewski, women at the competition wept and fainted at Van Cliburn's playing. The crowd was on his side. The judges were on his side. Nikita Khrushchev, embracing him after the concert in a great bear hug, was on his side. Looking back, what's striking is not that Van Cliburn won in Russia, but that he won the Russians over. Van Cliburn, the musical conqueror of Moscow, returns to a hero's welcome in New York. He follows the traditional route of Lindbergh and other men of accomplishment up Broadway from the Battery. The 23-year-old pianist is the first musician ever given this tribute by the city. What is more remarkable, in a way, is the popular outpouring for a musical entertainer who is a long hair without sideburns and doesn't play with a rock and roll beat. An example of the enthusiasm. At City Hall, the tall Texan is honored by Mayor Wagner. For Van Cliburn, a big day which he shares with his mom. When he returned home, Cliburn was an instant hero. He made the cover of Time, the Texan who conquered Russia. The 23-year-old was given a ticker tape parade in New York City. America had never bestowed such an honor on a classical musician, and never will again. The reason for that is not the low esteem of classical music in our country today, nor the fragmentation of the media, nor the fractured nature of our breathless, cockeyed news cycle, nor the fact that only opera singers reach diva status these days, but rather that the celebration of Van Cliburn as hero on this side of the Atlantic had nothing to do with classical music. America loves a winner, and six months after the launch of Sputnik, the country was positively desperate for one. Had Van Cliburn attended Moscow's inaugural blintz-eating contest and polished off more plates of pancakes than the Russians, he may well still have garnered a parade upon his return home. 
at least in his native Texas, and time wouldn't have had to change its cover line. Clyburn's artistry was appropriated as a victory in the Cold War. It would presage the moon landing and Rocky IV, capitalism over communism. We won. Let's throw this patriot, this warrior, a parade. God bless America. But revisit the reaction in Moscow. The weeping, the embraces, the adoration. These aren't the reactions of people who have lost. The Russians were moved by the unassuming Americans' considered yet intuitive interpretations of their music. Of Tchaikovsky, the greatest of Russian composers. Of Rachmaninoff's vital and virtuosic third concerto. How many Muscovites dwelling behind the Iron Curtain had seen a non-Russian? A non-Russian pianist. An American pianist. An American pianist who had learned the great Russian concertos so intimately and played them so beautifully. Since your triumph of last spring, Van Clyburn, and since your sequence of triumphs in Europe and in this country since that time, I should think you are as well qualified as anyone I can think of to express views on this general subject of international exchange and on the usefulness of competitions in fostering international cultural exchange. You do have some views. Well, Mr. Fassett, I don't think I could be as eloquent in my conveyance of these views as you are, but I will only try to say that I feel that probably uh, I am not an authority by any means. I'm just a pianist. But I do know because uh, I, like many other performers, have now had the experience of going to Europe and to playing before the representative audiences. And I have formed my own opinions and realize that with the important successes of American artists abroad, and I'm thinking very particularly of the New York Philharmonic and their triumphal tour of South America, I know that we are going to go away from a comparison basis of existing values. And when I say comparison value, I don't mean it in any other sense but the very highest. And not saying how do we measure up against so-and-so country. There's been a little too much stressing, perhaps, on international competition in the arts rather than international cultural exchange. You're right. That is what you're referring to. Yes. And also, if you want to be falsely patriotic, as sometimes we will maybe fall into the trap in saying it's an American way, well, saying it's an American way is only saying, as any other country can designate their way, it's the way they feel most natural in developing. And it has nothing to do with what anybody else is doing. I feel that that's almost like saying, well, let's keep up with the Joneses. Yeah. Moscow launched Van Cliburn into space, but could not sustain the pianist's burgeoning career, which fell to earth and never recovered. In an obituary written in the Washington Post, Tim Page noted that Clyburn, quote, relinquished his crown while he was still a young man, and his life may be seen as a long study in anticlimax, end quote. In the New York Times, Anthony Tomasini wrote, quote, In the late 1950s, this baby-faced, teetotaling, church-going, wholesome Texan had fit the times. But to young Americans of the late 1960s, he seemed a strained, stiff representative of that demonized establishment, end quote. 
Van Cliburn shone when the stars aligned in an unscripted moment and was victorious. He didn't possess the temperament or discipline for a concert pianist, and he was no cold warrior. He was not our greatest pianist, but something far nobler, our greatest ambassador for classical music. Through his recordings of Tchaikovsky and Rachmaninoff, through the Van Cliburn International Piano Competition, which has continued every four years in Fort Worth for a half century, Cliburn exposed millions of Americans to classical music, many for the first time. After his victory in Moscow, after the initial rush of patriotism simmered down, Americans grew curious. Who was this Tchaikovsky anyway? In 2012 survey of listenmusicculture.com readers, many respondents said it was Van Cliburn's recording of Tchaikovsky's first piano concerto on RCA, the first classical album to sell more than a million copies, and other Cliburn albums that first sparked their interest in classical music. As an aspiring piano player, wrote J.R. from Seattle of Cliburn's Tchaikovsky First, it made me want to practice. My older sister's boyfriend gave her the Cliburn recording as a going-away present, wrote Jim Kramer of Oregon. I'm not sure she ever listened to it, but I listened to it a lot. I was 15. Like many Texans, wrote Reverend Dr. Melinda V. McLean of San Francisco, my father was extremely proud of fellow Texan Van Cliburn's historic win in 1958 in Moscow. He owned several recordings by Van Cliburn on vinyl and reel-to-reel, and I remember that he would put big earphones on my little ears so we could listen to Van Cliburn play Rachmaninoff. Many evenings after dinner, we would put our earphones on, listen, and weep at the beauty of this music. It would appear that Clyburn's ability to move listeners to tears knows no nationality. Today, Van Clyburn serves for many Americans as a flashpoint, real or imagined, for such milestones as varied as the rise of the stereo LP, the raising of culture on cultural institutions such as the Kennedy Center and Lincoln Center, a slight rise in temperature to warm the Cold War, and a vaguely rising lump of extra-musical pride and patriotism in the throat. But revisiting Clyburn's live performance of The Rock Three at Carnegie Hall on RCA reveals the man and his music-making, unfettered by geopolitical projection. Here is a pianist both brash, you can hear how big his hands are, and nimble, playing vibrant phrases that are given room to breathe. In the final movement, there's an expansive moment of transcendent calm Played out of time. I try to hold on to it before the brakes are released, and Clyburn comes crashing through Rachmaninoff's coda and into a wall of analog applause. <laughs> ¶¶ 
You've been listening to Soundboard, the Steinway & Sons podcast on artistry and craftsmanship. This podcast was taken from an article titled An Unforeseen Ambassador, written by me, Ben Finan, and published on listenmusicculture.com, Steinway's multi-award-winning online magazine. Visit listenmusicculture.com to read more. We heard Van Cliburn performing Tchaikovsky's first piano concerto and Rachmaninoff's third piano concerto, both on RCA Records. We heard excerpts from newsreels from 1958 and from a 1958 Van Cliburn interview with James Fassett. Our intro and outro music is Philip Glass's Mad Rush, performed on a Steinway Model M by me, Ben Finan, Editor-in-Chief at ListenMusicCulture.com. Question for the podcast? Message me on Facebook at Soundboard or hit me on the gram at Soundboard Podcast. Subscribe to Soundboard on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, or wherever you pod your casts. Thank you for listening.